This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Fresca, and welcome back to our podcast. Hello, everyone. Well, today we are going through that old saying that behind every great man is a great woman. So we will be looking at some of the interesting facts and some of the influential first ladies in American history. Um, yeah, I feel like ladies never get their due. So I think the way we're going to run through this today is we're going to, going to go chronologically. However, we're not going to hit up every single first lady. So we'll we'll kind of skip around a little bit, but we'll skip around. In well, yeah, skip around, yeah, a little potluck. So if your favorite first lady isn't on this, we apologize. It's nothing personal, but we try to keep it around an hour or so. And going through all the first ladies would take a while to do that. Did you know, by the way, uh, who the first first lady was? Well, you want to feel first lady or the first one to actually have the name? Is that what you're talking oh, about? Oh, look at this. Oh, look you. at this. Look at this. All right. What? Because the title, the title didn't. Uh, the title didn't really come around until um, what 1877, when uh, Mary C. Ames wrote an article in a New York City newspaper, The Independent, describing the uh, inauguration of Rutherford B. Hayes, and she used a term to describe his wife, Lucy Webb Hayes, and that was the first time that that phrase was used, First Lady. And there's always been the, uh, the talk of what would the um, if a if we ever have it, or when we have, or if when we have a female president, what the um, that spouse, the, the spouse names will be like the husband. And um, I guess they decided it would be first gentleman. That's basically what they're saying. Um, and the other one was actually Harriet Lane. So Harriet Lane yes. uh, was um, hostess for uh, James Buchanan. So James Buchanan was not married. Um, the only president who was never married. Yes. And, and the belief is that uh, historians now believe that that was probably because he was gay. Um, however, once he got into the White House, it was his niece, who was Harriet Lane, that kind of he re- he referred to her as the, as first, lady. the first lady, like yeah. my first lady. Yeah, well, he but pretty much that, raised her too because she um, was orphaned at age of eleven, right? Yeah. So he so he pretty much raised her, even though he was her uncle. He he was her uncle. He was also her guardian after her parents died. Yep. Yeah. So like that was you know before that they were just simply known as you know the wife of the president. You know yeah, pres- no the president's wife. Yeah. And one thing I kind of noticed, Tom, I'm sure you did as well, looking through this research, is that. For like the first century, it seems like the the biggest thing they had it was well, there was, she was a hostess. She was a hostess. She was a hostess. That's basically you what know, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't until organizes like, the the yeah they organize things like ceremonies, functions, things like that. And then like a late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, really is when when the first ladies started getting a little bit more involved. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, we'll get to Wilson got very involved. Yes. And obviously Roosevelt, Eleanor Roosevelt gets involved and it kind of goes from there. Now, a lot of times what happens with the first ladies has it has as it's re- evolved is that they have like their own cause. They have their own yep. campaigns themselves that they will push for once their family comes into the White House that they're going to push for. Like Mich- Michelle Obama had everything. I guess we're going to have ourselves right with the yeah. healthy eating and everything like that. Yep. And then you're trying to have obesity. Had they had the ideas with um, anti-bullying and stuff like that. So they have their missions. Let's start the first one. Yeah, let's start with the first one. Let's talk about Martha. All right, good old Martha Washington, right? So obviously she's she was actually the first one to be given the title lady by the press. She was she was called Lady Washington, right? She wasn't called the first lady. She was called Lady Washington, and she was also the first wife of a president to appear on a postage stamp. Hmm. Which I thought was kind of an interesting little tidbit there with her. 
Well, my, my big one is uh, she was not one of those that was like, oh, whoa, like, you know, my husband's a president. No. She definitely took her job of hosting fairly seriously, right? They would, she would hold a weekly reception uh, for politicians and, and yeah. you know, anyone that would want to mingle. And again, this is setting the standard. I'm sorry to interrupt there, but this is setting yeah. the standard. Just like Washington sets the, pres- the precedent for all future presidents, Martha Washington is setting the precedent for all these future first ladies. Of yeah. what they're going to do. So what they're doing, she's what what she does. Everyone else is going to kind of follow. Yeah, and what what this what's really important about you know we may kind of making it sound I guess with regards to like oh well they just kind of held parties, but what's important in this is that they would bring in people that were sometimes even political enemies, and they would kind of try to place politics aside. And it was like Martha Washington, and eventually also. Dolly Madison did this, this idea of like, well, let's bring people that maybe disagree on the congressional floor, you know, in the Senate or House of Representatives. But at the end of the day, we all want what's best for this country. And at the end of the day, you know, we're all people and families. And that was the kind of the goal is to bring the politicians into the House. So that way they had some kind of friendship. So the families knew one another. So that way it would make it easier for them to compromise once they were actually passing some legislation. And that, as you said, is something that's established by Martha and the importance of it, of just creating this community in the Capitol. On the surface, it's like, yeah, you know, she held parties. But really, this is a huge political strategy, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a strategy. Just politi- It just shows the political process, right? It's, yeah. it's showing how the political socialization, how they're coming together, how they're interacting with one another. And it, um, that was a major part of it was how you present your family, how your spouse is presenting themselves also was a major part of politics, especially early on. Yep. I mean, I don't have much for Abigail Adams. Uh, she's very famous for the fact that when John Adams was uh, part of the Continental Congress, you know, she was very adamant about this is the famous saying, you know, she wrote him a letter saying, I desire you would remember the ladies and be more generous and favorable to them than your ancestors. Do not put such unlimited power into the hands of the husbands. Remember, all men would be tyrants if they could. And that's like a very famous quote from oh, Abigail yeah. Adams. I remember she was referred to by a lot of, um, because of her vast political knowledge, and she was really like sharp with her tongue. She was really like quick speaker. Like if someone said something to her, she knew how to like respond, like that verbal smackdown right back. And she had no problem doing that. So she was actually referred to as Mrs. President. That's kind of like her nickname. Like Lady Adams was like her like was like her name given to her by the press, but other people in the political circles will call her Mrs. President because she was um, very well trusted advisor to uh, John Adams. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they every he, everywhere I read about it, it was like they held like almost like a he would make all decisions based on the conversation he had at home with Abigail. Yeah. And then I guess the next big one um, would be Dolly Madison. And I mean, this is this is a big one. Dolly Madison is yes. a big one. So she I have was. An asterisk, I have an asterisk next to her name. So yeah, go ahead. What do you got? An asterisk. Wow, that's fancy. Well, no, that's uh, what I'm saying. She's like the big one. She's you know? a big one. Yes. Well, she's the only first lady to be given an honorary seat on the floor of Congress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she was the first American to respond to a telegraph message sent by inventor Samuel Morris. So that, that was big. But um, yeah, she's also like very, very um, adored socialite, right? Which, um, she was known, this is true, like to make ice cream a regular feature at the White House dinner. So you're talking about Martha Washington with his White House dinners. Dolly Madison was actually serving ice cream to people after, at the end. That was like the dessert she would always serve. And then you do have Dolly Madison ice cream today, right? They still make that, I believe. Or Yeah, but you, you heard what her favorite ice cream flavor was, right? Yeah, it was like a weird one, right? It was oyster. They had oyster well, ice cream. Well, to each their own. I guess. I mean, again, it's early 1800s. We'll, it's not we'll quite. What's that one that's pretty good? I've been eating lately. That Netflix and chill. That's pretty good. 
Are you serious? There's actually one called Netflix and chill, yeah. All right, so so my wife, a couple years ago, she thought she was trying to send me a message. She got me Ben and Jerry's ice cream that was called Chubby Hubby. And okay, you know, well, and like I go. opened it, I looked at it, and then joke was on her actually because you know what? It was it was awesome. You know, I devoured that entire pint. Yeah, they're like, they're, hard, they're hard they're hard not to eat the whole thing. Yeah, she's like that wasn't the point. I'm Especially like, yeah, Friday, Friday, Friday nights watching WandaVision. I'm just like, all right, you know, I'm eating this whole thing. I don't even care. <laughs> oh, so, but yeah. So Dolly Madison and her ice cream parties. She again big into desserts, but she's the one that perfected this idea of like winning over her husband James Madison's like enemies. Whenever he had any enemies politically, she would invite the families over to the White House. Like, ah, come for, you know, come for some dessert, you know, have some, we'll have some cookies. And, and it was really her that kind of established this, you know, this is the entrance into what becomes known historically as the era of good feelings. But like, she established this aura of dialogue, yeah, dialogue and compromise. So you have to understand at this time, the, the politics in Washington were horrible. Like they were even turned violent at time. They were violently divided. So these gatherings really provided like one place where all these politicians could come together um, from different persuasions and they could mingle peacefully. It was a big deal. Just like the old, like everyone loves ice cream. And so you're eating ice cream with people. All right, you, you're going to see them as people, not just this, you know, someone across the aisle. And that was yeah. one way they were bringing them together. And obviously something else that Dolly Madison is famous for is um, saving that rare portrait, right? Yeah. Um, George Washington. Uh, right before the uh, British troops come and torch the White House in 1814. Yes, and uh, it's actually still hanging in the White House. Um, yeah, yeah. And they say they, they said they heard the cannons were already by the presidential mansion, and the British are coming. It's War of 1812, and Dolly, you know, is being rushed out of there by security and the butler. Now we got to get out of here. And as she's leaving, she looks up and she sees this painting of George Washington. She's like, "All right, this has got to go with us. This we have to save this for." future generations and this butler's like are you kidding me so they actually tear this thing off the wall the guy breaks the frame it's in rolls it up and it's like all right let's get out of here but she saves it for posterity i mean this is the most famous painting of george washington and it still hangs in the white house today so yeah van buren's wife was actually his second cousin (laughs) you know what's interesting about van buren's wife um van buren wrote an autobiography of himself, and he literally omitted her name from his autobiography. Yeah. Well, again, he died um, 18 years before – she died, excuse me, 18 years before he was even elected president. Yeah. So, again, his daughter-in-law served as the hostess during that during the last two years of his um, administration. The next one that kind of pops up for me is uh, – so I, we skipped a couple. So we're on the 11th president. Um, Julia Tyler's – John Tyler actually had a first wife, and she'd passed, so he remarried a Julia. It was the first um, – First first lady to pass away in the White House. Yep. And it was also the first president to marry while president. While in the White House, yeah. Wasn't there a movie about that years ago with like Kevin Klein or something like that? It's called like the American president. It's like the really? president was like a bachelor. I remember that. It's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like a, yeah, it's like a. And he was like going out on a date with like some like, some like reporter. Yeah. Yep. This one yep. of those movies always used to be on TV. Look at you watching romantic movies. I don't know about. I don't think I ever watched it. Watched. I just remember it being on and be like, <laughs> "Oh, how come Happy Gilmore's not on?" You know. But uh, well, another thing that's interesting about Julia Tyler: a couple things, right? So, first uh, ever to marry a president while he's president. Also, she's twenty-one years old, and Tyler is fifty-one years old. There's a thirty-year difference there. And at that time, she became the youngest first lady. Well, twenty-one is pretty young. Yeah. And then she also is the one that sort of tradition that every time like a president came in to an official event, 
uh, they would play Hail to the Chief. That was her thing. She's like, you know, I, th- I think you need to be recognized. Uh, and she really loved the fact that, you know, that she was the first lady. Oh, yeah. But, and she loved it so much. She was actually the first first lady to have her photograph taken. Yes. Yep. And also, she fought for, and is the lady, and the reason, I guess, why there is a pension for first ladies. She fought for it. She goes, you know, it's a job to be a first lady. I got to do a lot of things here. So well, they, don't, they don't receive a salary, but they do get funds, yeah. They yes. carry out their duties, whatever they deem um, essential, right? I guess we should talk about yep. this before. They get a full staff and office in the yep. east wing of the White House. So, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So she, and she also got uh, wound up getting the uh, pension for First Ladies. The next one that kind of I, I pops up for me, I don't know about you, but it's actually the one that follows uh, President Polk, uh, James Polk's wife, Sarah Polk. Sarah Polk, yeah. Um, it's a couple of interesting things about Sarah Polk. She was well-educated. That's one thing I want to throw out Very well-educated. Like, very she well-educated, actually, yeah. She wrote like his speeches and stuff. Yeah. Like she was the the bright one. And she that. helped him get elected. I don't think he would have. Um, she helped him get elected. Her education really helped her get elected. Yeah, helped him get elected. Yeah, and uh, she hosted White House receptions twice a week. Um, but because she was very religious, she did not allow any dancing or receptions or anything or music on Sundays. Um, and also, she is the one that insisted on installing gas lighting in the White House. Um, during the presidency, kind of updating things, right? Which actually made her husband work like longer hours, which she then detested and regretted the fact that she got gaslighting into the White House. Um, also, interesting story. Interesting story about her is once the presidency of Polk was was done, he only chose to run for for, for one term, even though he's one of the most successful presidents, arguably, of that century. She insisted that. To kind of secure his legacy, he needed to go on this tour right after the presidency. And he just kind of wanted to go home and retire. And she's like, no, we got on this tour and we have to visit every state, you know, so we could secure your legacy. And um, he wound up getting sick on this tour and dying literally months out of office, uh, which, you know, some historians kind of try to say might potentially have been her fault. But again, I, I mean, how much is it her fault? I don't know. Um. Next one. What are you? What's the next one that kind of pops up for you? Well, the other one that was kind of um, interesting. I obviously, if we want to go in order, was um, Taylor. But the funny thing about um, uh, Margaret or Peggy Taylor was that she actually refused to serve as a hostess. So she was, you know, she was the um, first lady, but she refused to do any of those duties. So they just gave the role to her daughter. Yep. Her daughter um, did everything from there. Um, yep. I thought that was a little interesting. Uh, I mean, and also, I mean, once Tyler passed away, um, they said that she was so distraught that she wouldn't even attend his funeral. But then that brings us to once President Tyler dies and Vice President um, Fillmore becomes president. So Abigail Fillmore, um, this is kind of interesting. She used to be a teacher before, um, you know, before she became, I guess, the president's wife she pushed for the creation of the first ever library in the white house. And this is another thing that's crazy. There was no library in the white house. And the reason for that um, is that they believed Congress, at least um, this, yeah, did not give any money to um, have a library in a white house because they believe it would make the president too powerful because it would make the president too smart. So I don't really understand that. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of want to be pretty smart, but they eventually, you know, eventually they decide that they're allowed to do, and they appropriate two thousand dollars for its uh, creation. Yeah, 
Yep, and that's essentially because of uh, Abigail Fillmore. She now all these presidents it. have libraries, right, after they leave. I mean, they named after themselves, yeah. Well, the next big one I say would be Mary Lincoln, right, Mary Todd? Yes, that's kind of what I have, yeah, Mary yeah. Todd Lincoln. And she was an interesting um, person. Um, she used to hold, actually, seances in the White House um, because she did believe in the mystic artifact, right, the ghosts and everything. Remember, she, she had a lot of depression in her life. Um, Lincoln would always talk about that or would always be worried about her depression, especially with the, with the children passing away mm-hmm. at early ages. Uh, obviously, what happened with Lincoln later on. Um, and she was also attacking the press. She was one of these first first ladies. A lot of the ones previous to this point all were loved by the press. Mary Todd, not so much because they said that she was always doing these lavish purchases during wartime. Um, and that the country is over there fighting a civil war, trying to abolish slavery later on when it becomes a moral cause of the war. And she's out there buying these lavish gifts and lavishly redecorating the White House. And really, Lincoln wanted her doing that just to keep her mind off of everything else. Because she was such like yeah. a manic, de- depressed person at times. When she would actually start to um, you know, think about her life, she would just get super depressed. Because Lincoln was not around most of the time, too. He's out pl- you know, planning on trying to win this war. Yeah. But yeah, she was definitely known as the lady that spent way yeah, above Lincoln's means. Yeah. And uh, believe it or not, her son, I mean, this is way after the, you know, the death of Lincoln, but her son actually had her committed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they said that she was so unstable, he had her committed. Hey, I think my next one that I had that kind of popped up for me that I found interesting was Lucy Hayes, Rutherford B. Hayes' wife. Uh, she was the first one with a college education. She attended a female college, became the first president's wife to receive a college degree. Also, as you mentioned, right, first president's wife to be called the first lady. And also she was known as Lemonade Lucy because yeah, she, she, she banned alcoholic beverages from the White House. Yeah. She said she and she was the first alcohol. one to ever have the Easter egg hunt or Easter egg roll, as it was called back then, on the White House lawn. Um, yep. Interesting. I know we skipped over one, but I just want to go back for a second to Grant. I found kind of an interesting fact about um, Julia Grant. Um, first of all, she owned slaves during the Civil War, which was kind of Okay, right? Not okay. Well, that, kind of, that act interestingly because that just came up in the news. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people are trying to say like Grant, maybe we should start, you know, kind of attacking Grant. Or she had money, he didn't. He was poor. Yeah. So, yeah. but she actually, it wasn't. Really, I don't know if it was how much it was. Her, her family owned slaves. Yeah. It, it, I don't think. I don't think she actually owned them. They were in her name, but I don't think she actually. Her family was wealthy. Um, yeah. This is a time when Grant didn't really have money. And he was actually selling firewood. This was like even after the Civil War, right? Trying to survive his family. So they didn't actually have slaves necessarily um, before the Civil War, before all that stuff. Um, but he, uh, but she, her family, her family had slaves that came out. But also, she's the one that Grant was supposed to accompany um, Lincoln to Ford's Theater. Yep. And and she talks him out of it. She says yeah, I bet. she hated Mary Todd. That's why. Yeah, yeah she yeah, basically she wanted to she didn't want to sit by Mary Todd all night yeah. and hear her constant just like you know complaining about things. So she's like, I'm not going. Because that, remember that was a massive conspiracy. That's something we should really do a podcast on. Is this that conspiracy? Yeah. Because it was more than just killing Lincoln. Yeah, and uh, they wanted the, Grant was another one they wanted uh, that that conspiracy was going after, but he wasn't there. But I thought that yeah. was kind of um, interesting. We're getting into the late 1800s, and that is Francis Cleveland. Yeah, this one is... This one's interesting. So first of all, Grover Cleveland. Tom, you and I talked about this before on the phone, but if anyone wants to look into Grover Cleveland, there's some shady stuff going on with Grover Cleveland. I mean, we know for a fact he fathered a a couple um, children with women he was not married to. Uh, So Francis, 
basically married um, Grover Cleveland at the age of 21, but she had just turned 21. So she actually took the position of now being the youngest um, first lady in American history. But what makes this a little odd is the fact that she was actually the daughter of Grover Cleveland's best friend. And he kind of helped raise her. So he's literally, he's known her because he was like 30 years older than her, if not more. Um, he he literally knew her her entire life from birth and kind of helped raise her. And eventually uh, started having an affair with her when she was like 19, 20. And then she, you know, married him at the age of 21. Yeah, she's the only one to marry in the White House and give birth in the White House. Caroline, uh, Benjamin Harrison's, uh, wife, Caroline. I got one interesting tidbit. Oh, she was the first one to have a Christmas tree in the White House. Yes. And also she petitioned and was able to convince Johns Hopkins University to admit women. I didn't know the Christmas tree thing. That was kind of cool. Yeah, well, they're the first one. She was. Um, she convinced also Harrison to allow electricity to be put into the White House. Think about that. Right? The White House didn't have electricity in it. Helen Taft. Do you have anything for Helen Taft? I got a couple. Uh, Taffy, yeah, she was the um, first first lady to own and drive a car. Yes, and she actually drove her husband around in the in the inauguration parade. Um, she was a huge supporter of women's suffrage, and she yep. published her uh, memoirs. And she was also known to smoke uh, cigarettes. Yes, that was yes. one of her. Uh, she, she was known as Nellie Taft. Was known for her uh, smoking during this time. Also, she brought cherry trees to Washington D.C. It was a gift from the mayor of Tokyo. So Edith Wilson, this is a biggie. I have a star by her. Yeah. Right? Well, for, yeah, Edith Wilson. Obviously, that wasn't Wilson's first wife, Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. Um, his first wife, Ellen Wilson, actually, um, she dies. Actually, in the White House. Yep. And then he remarries Edith Wilson. And she is actually a direct dis- descendant of uh, Pocahontas, believe it or not. Really? Yes, yeah, so that kind of ties us into our Pocahontas podcast from a couple weeks That's ago. That's kind of cool. Yeah, you know the whole story. There's, there's a lot more with her, obviously, but yeah, but so this is the crazy part. So it is well known to historians that President Woodrow Wilson cheated on his first wife, right? And he had kind of like an open relationship, more or less, when he was still president of Princeton and eventually governor of New Jersey before he became president. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. And... His wife, he he loved his wife dearly. However, it makes you wonder how dearly did he love his wife since he had like a steady girlfriend that his right. wife knew about, right? Crazy stuff. And then the wife passes away and the girlfriend is positive that she's going to be the next Mrs. Wilson, right? But tradition stands that for one year after the um, death of your spouse, you're mourning, you cannot date you cannot be seen anywhere socially with a you know person of the opposite sex so this so wilson kind of tells his girlfriend that he's been with for like 15 years I, i'm kind of mourning now we can't really and he, she's like oh it's fine it's fine and then while that's happening he meets edith wilson and wilson's girlfriend of like 15 years finds out that he's getting married to edith wilson because she reads about it in the papers 
Yeah, and, but, and not only that, well, obviously when Wilson has a stroke, yep. she pretty much becomes the president for the most part. Um, the, the stroke left Wilson totally incapacitated. Mm-hmm. And um, basically what she would do is she would only push agendas to him that she that she thought were fair, that, that she approved of. And she took a lot of uh, criticism for that. And a lot of people say that she was actually the acting president during this time. For months. Uh, yeah. For months. People didn't really know this. But basically she was the one um, that was – Making all the decisions. Make, making all the decisions. She was saying that Wilson was signing these things. He was making a decision that she was the only one really speaking to him yeah. and other than the doctors. And they were like, wait a minute, is Wilson really making decisions or is or is Edith? And um, more and more is coming out over the years. It's been over 100 years. And they're saying, yeah. Yeah, no, it was probably Edith playing an important role in the administration. And she laid the groundwork really for that, this like super involved modern first lady. But also she was probably making decisions um, without Wilson's knowledge because he was so just incapacitated after the stroke. No, they said she signed bills. I mean, she literally yeah, she forged his name on that. Yeah, yeah. Forged, yeah. forged his name on everything, but still doing that, yeah. So often referred to as the true first female president. A lot of times, yeah. Um, Florence Harding, that's an interesting story. Uh, so Harding, talk about another thing. Harding also had a lot of girlfriends, right? I mean, I, I don't know what it is with these well, Harding's administration too, right? We had the oh my goodness, so full teapot, of scandal. Teapot dome, right? That's yeah, so there. full of scandal. So Harding had tons of girlfriends before they before he even became president. He was actually a pretty wealthy newspaper publisher, and she was older than Harding. So she kind of met Harding and she kind of flirted with Harding, and you know they got married, and then he was never faithful to her by any means. And the belief is that once the scandal came through, um, there's a lot of political scandal in Harding's presidency. She convinced Harding to go on this trip to Alaska. She's like, you know, we need to get away a little bit. And you might be the first president to go visit Alaska. Let's just do this. And then he like, you know, he seemed to be healthy. But all of a sudden, he dies on this trip. To this day, uh, some historians believe that Florence Harding might have had something to do with it. She was actually accused of poisoning. Yeah, poisoning him. Yeah. Um because of the fact that years of embarrassment for cheating on her, and also because she was trying to preserve any legacy he had before any of those political scandals actually, you know, caught on to him. Coolidge, teacher of the deaf, uh, Grace Coolidge. Sure, she was the first one also to speak in newsreels. Coolidge. Yep. Coolidge. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, Hoover was the um, first woman to graduate from Stanford with a yep. geology degree. Um, she also spoke Chinese very fluently. That's kind of like a little like. I didn't uh, know that. That's cool. Yeah, she was fluent speaker of Chinese. But again, she also kept a very low profile with everything going on with, with Hoover from what I could find with the Great Depression and everything like that. She kept a pretty low profile. I know I from what I remember reading that she actually brought in, invited Jesse DePriest, wife of an African-American congressman, Oscar DePriest, uh, to the White House um, uh, for tea. And it caused this like huge uproar in Southern newspapers. And it kind of made her... You know, she was kind of told to sh- like step back a little bit from speaking to the press and stuff like that because you know she was inviting African Americans to uh, to the White House. Which- yeah, she did that, and she also got involved in the Chinese the Boxer Rebellion. Yes, um, sending in like supplies and stuff like that, and then um, they actually in, the, in Beijing they actually reported that she died, and that people were like very upset. She didn't die. <laughs> well, she did die, but you know she wasn't dead when it was a mistakenly report, and she actually read her own obituary. In the Beijing oh, newspaper, man. and they had like saying, "No, actually, I'm I'm still alive. Not I'm still I'm still here." 
All right, so this is where, you know, I think this is a good transition because now we're talking about first ladies are more educated. First ladies yeah. are becoming more involved. And I don't think anyone's more involved, educated than the next one. Well, she's setting the precedent, yeah, which is Eleanor Roosevelt, right? Yeah. Who, um, surprisingly enough, refused Secret Service protection when she was the first lady. Hmm. She, said, I, she said, I don't need it. She had a tough childhood. I just read like a, a biography on her not that long ago. I mean, she was called by, I mean, her parents died fairly young, um, but- her entire family literally to her face called her ugly and they would say to her, you know, you better be nice and kind to others because you, you know, you were so ugly. You're not going to get far in life. I mean, these are the things they used to say to her as a child. Just, yeah, I mean, that's, hard. that's tough, horrible. But they said that, you know, she was a woman that would literally give you the shirt off her back. She was all about helping others. Well, very kind and very adventurous too. I was reading this one thing where she actually, there was a white house dinner in um, 1933 and it was kind of boring. So she snuck out with um, another guest that was there, the um, um, aviator, Amelia Earhart. Mm -hmm. And they actually commandeered an airplane by the airfield, uh, right by the Pentagon, Hoover Field. And um, they spent a couple hours riding around Baltimore and uh, Earhart even later on promised to give Roosevelt flying lessons, but then Earhart kind of disappeared. Yeah. So, well, that's another podcast, right? Because I've heard that they, <laughs> they, they, I've, I've been reading a lot about um, how they think they can find where she was now, Earhart and stuff like that. A whole I mean, technology is getting better, right? You think, but I, I think she's at the bottom of the ocean somewhere. I, well, something like, well, there, we'll, we'll get to that if we ever decide to do it. Yeah, if we ever do a podcast. But talk about dinners. So, Eleanor Roosevelt used to literally just go outside in Washington, D.C., and she used to find homeless people and bring them to dinner mm-hmm. at the White House. And the Secret Service at first was like, come on, what are you doing? But then they finally got used to it. She would literally just grab random homeless people from the street and they would bring them to the White House and they would like, you know, give them a bath and tell them, you know, go have a nice bath. They would give them nice clothes and they would come in and literally sit down for dinner with the president of the United States, these homeless people. And we have to remember, this is during the Great Depression. So that was like her version of like, no, 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 you could get in here. And they said oftentimes these people would steal like, the silver, you know, from the table. Um, well, because it was silver. I mean, yeah, you know, but they didn't care. You know, the Roosevelt didn't care. They were just, it was like her way of also giving back, which I thought well, was she was, awesome. she fought like she was a big supporter for everything that um, FDR did as far as the new deal. So she really fought for all those new deal proposals. She had her own fireside chats with radio shows, newspaper columns that like, like the president had um, big supporter of civil rights and rights of women. Her main yep. belief was that, you know, education is a, it, that if people had edu- education, they would have equal opportunities. Right? Yep. That's what she really wanted for. And she, though she didn't really get along with um, FDR, I was, their marriage was also kind of one of these. Oh, that was like a political political marriage. Like, yeah, yeah. I, he, Roosevelt was um, FDR. He was also a serial cheater. had had numerous girlfriends and affairs. Yeah. And she yeah. was aware of it, and she was like, "He does, you know, he let him do that. I'm not worried about that because he she's focusing on her own endeavor so much so that even when Roosevelt was like dying." He requested for her to like come back to uh the, the what, warm springs right where yep. he was staying, yep. and she said, "I'm too busy. I'm sorry." Yep. And she outright knew he was dying. Like it was. You and know, you know who was there while he was dying? His girlfriend. Yeah, his girlfriend came. Yeah. Yeah, his girlfriend was there. Uh, which these people are nuts. She, uh, like you said, she had a daily column. My day. Uh, she used to have press conferences, as you mentioned. And after he he passed and the war ended, um, she served as part of the UN. She was also a um, on the board of directors for the NAACP. Yes, I did read that. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. And she helped draft the Universal Declaration of Human Rights as a That's chairman right. of the um, of the UN Commission, Human Rights Commission. Right. So, like, she was like very involved even after 
Roosevelt died. She's one of these one. Like I, I really feel like if she was born years later, like she could have run for president. Yeah, and had a, probably a good chance of winning. Like if she was, yep. if she was born 50, 60 years later. The next one, I kind of, I mean, I'm not sure. I have anything for for Truman? I was kind of going to go to Jackie. Um, I'm, most I found about her is that she was very um, homesick when she was in the White House. Truman, she, yeah, Truman. Right? Yeah. Wanted, yeah, Truman. She always wanted to go back to Missouri. Um, she even hated the. She hated everything about Washington D.C. She used to send her laundry back to Kansas City to be washed instead because she didn't like the dry cleaning in D.C. Uh, so some of like that's basically one of the main things I saw with her. She was just more like she's like, all right, I'm her husband. I'm her, I'm her husband. I'm I, 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 you know my husband is a president. I understand that, um, but she actually never gave an interview as a first lady either. Yep, I saw that. Yeah, and then you have Eisenhower, and then after Eisenhower, you have Jackie Kennedy, and and Jackie Kennedy was like, I guess the the pinnacle, right, of like what it meant to be a first lady in 20th century. So just so we know, Jackie Kennedy came from a lot of money. Like she becomes a wealthy. pop icon, yeah. Yeah, and it's super wealthy. I mean, both, they, these are two beautiful, wealthy people that just got together. And Jackie was so wealthy that when she was a kid, she had her own pony, right? And she used to ride to her play cottage, like on her estate. Like I was supposed to have an adult house. She had like a real house, but that was like her toy house when she was little. She would, you know, have a house. <laughs> just that she could go and ride her horse to nuts. Why not? Um, and then you know once once she becomes becomes the first lady, obviously a lot of things happening here. One, she is most definitely, as you mentioned, uh, the pop icon mainly because of her fashion. Number one, number two, she is highly educated, and um, she also does a televised tour of the White House, which well, is yeah, considered they, like the first prime time documentary. Well, yeah. what she does is they totally re re. Um do renovations to the White House. So it's yeah. over $50,000, which is about $400,000 today. A huge renovation of the White House. And it was televised, like you said. And she actually winds up winning an Emmy Award for it in 1962. So yeah. she's, she's actually, this is the, the first lady of the United States, and she wins a Emmy Award for giving a tour of the White House. And that's really what set her up as being kind of this like icon, is because like she's this housewife, right? You have the young kid, you have JFK Jr., right? The little boy in the White House. So the first time they have like young children in the White House in a long time. Um, and so it's really sets up like this all-American family, the whole idea of Camelot, right? Yep. And she's holding down the household just like American housewives do, but she's her house happens to be the White House. Yep. And then, um, you know, after the assassination of JFK, you have uh, LBJ becomes president and along with him is his wife. Lady Claudia, Bird Johnson. Claudia Lady Bird Johnson, yes. So Lady Bird Johnson was very wealthy. They actually said that historians kind of allude to the fact that LPJ married her primarily for her money. And she's the one that um, – she's a big environmentalist, like you said. Yep. And she loved flowers. And she's actually the reasons why a lot of the highway mediums um, have flowers in between them is that was like her main push. She was pushing for that. So all across the country, when you're driving across country, when you're driving on the highways, you see like those mediums between the lanes that have like the grass and the flowers growing. That was a yep. campaign that was put together by Lady Bird Johnson. She wanted to make the highways beautiful for something people to look yep. at as they were driving by. Yeah, highway beautification. Beautification projects, yeah. Yep. Um, and then we have Pat Nixon, uh, Richard Nixon. She kind of stayed back a lot from her husband's you know, uh, scandals, but she was the first one to declare herself as pro-choice when it came to abortion. Um, and she also campaigned for the appointment of a woman to the Supreme Court. She was very vocal about, 
you know, this is a, a you know women's time, and we need to get women into into government. She was big for that, yeah, and she was actually the first first lady to wear pants in public. Really. That's what it was. Yeah. So think about this. this is, you know, in the 1960s, 70s, 70s right? Yeah, 70s. 70s. And it's the first time that the she's being a the first lady is being photographed wearing pants in public. That's crazy. Right? <laughs> that's that's and they were like, oh my gosh, she's wearing pants. You know, but again, big for women's rights, women's equality. And if I want to wear pants, I'm gonna wow. wear pants. Betty Ford. Betty Ford was was a of you know, a first lady for a short period of time, but I think she left a, a pretty big, um, what's the I'm looking for? I guess. Legacy. She left, she left a pretty big legacy. Legacy, yeah. footprint, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first of all, she was very public with her battle with breast cancer. She was also very open about taking medications for depression and just overall having depression, anxiety, um, very health conscious, but very open. And a lot of Americans kind of related to that. Like she was just a real person. And she founded the Betty Ford um, Center, which is basically a clinic for substance abuse. For treatment. addiction, yeah. And for she did a lot of this. Remember, she's only in the White House for three years. Yeah. But she keeps this up um, long after she leaves and returns to private life. She keeps a lot of close ties to a lot of people of the feminist movement and opens up, like you said, the Betty Ford Clinic. And, um, you know, it becomes basically her main legacy is, is – helping people with addiction. And she was very candid about the addiction that she suffered when she was a dancer earlier on in her life. Yeah. Um, also, um, you know, battle with alcohol. That was another issue. She kind of made that idea of, again, any form of dependency. Drugs Take, she was trying to talk about the basically taking the shame away from it, that they, that it is an addiction. It's not something that you should, that you should be ashamed of. It's an addiction to sickness and you can get help. Yep. In 1991, President H.W. Um, Bush presented her with the Presidential Medal of Freedom for her leadership. She passed away in 2011. Um, Eleanor Carter, uh, from what I understand with Eleanor Carter, is that she was like the first real first lady to get involved in, in like policymaking. Uh, she would sit in on, on Jimmy Carter's cabinet meetings. Yeah, so it was very much like Abigail Adams was a Mrs. Yep. President. Um, Time Magazine actually billed her, billed her as the second most powerful person in the United States behind her husband. This Carter really valued her opinion and everything. Yep. Really wouldn't make any decisions without asking um, her first. And uh, she is currently uh, the, uh, the oldest living first lady. Yes, right. Yeah. She's still alive. So that brings us to Nancy Reagan. She's the big one. Into, I mean, I grew up with this. You grew up with this. Yes. The Just Say No campaign. Just say no. I always bring this up in my classes. That just say no. Because I remember, I'm sure you do, Pete. Like some people might remember, it's like to go into the old video arcades, right? Yeah. Put the corner machine, gonna go play Ninja Turtles or whatever, and all of a sudden, like you'd have like pop a up. Yep. the cup pop up, and or even sometimes before like cartoons on Saturdays and stuff like that, it'd be like Nancy Reagan with the just say no and had the presidential seal, and that that was yeah. her legacy related to just say no to drugs, just say no to drugs campaign. Um, and she was an actress and appeared in a lot of movies and music videos too. Um, prior to be getting a life in um, politics, politics with her yeah. husband. Yeah. Uh, and they think she that... probably, I'm sorry to cut you off. They no, think she, she, just like um, Edith Wilson, she probably did a lot of, when Reagan was recovering from being shot. And in the later years also, when um, he Alzheimer's. was yeah. from Alzheimer's, they're saying she pretty much took over duties as yeah. president or who was going to see him and when they were going to see him and stuff like that. It's pretty like the last year or so of his presidency. 
there was also a lot of controversy with that because she believed in astrology. Remember that? And like she, yeah, she used to bring astrologers in the White House. Yeah. And Reagan was like, uh, he he entertained it, Ronald Reagan, but he he wasn't really as I don't think as into it as her, right? Yep. But in the, the that was the theorist that she was kind of turning him around because she would say, yeah. you know, based on the stars, you really should not meet with Gorbachev tomorrow. And he's like, yeah. oh, all right, I won't meet with him. Yeah, because he just, yeah, yeah, because of the stars. You know, it was like, what? What just happened? Okay, so. Barbara Bush, H.W. Uh, Bush's wife, um, literacy foundations, very big into like literacy and, and any form of charities. Remember, she's actually not only the wife of a president, but also the mother of a president also. Yep, yep. And I thought the interesting with her was that um, she wrote a memoir, right? Did you see that? Yep. Um, she wrote a memoir, but the memoir was from her dog's perspective. It was entitled Millie's Book, which describes a day in the life of the Bush family, um, but from the dog's perspective. So it talks about like meetings in the Oval Office and then breaking for squirrel hunting and stuff like that. And all the proceeds from the book were donated to her literacy foundation that she created. But again, she really wanted to give back a big time. Uh, so she created the Barbara Bush Foundation for Family Literacy, helping people read, things of that nature. And she gave all the money from this book to that foundation. That was like kind of her um, hmm. her passion. And the next one, uh, Hillary Clinton comes from a very political family. Yes. And she was basically groomed or yeah brought up to yeah. be a politician yes 100 percent. um they actually say that she was that marriage from the beginning was just also kind of a marriage of politics yeah i've yes i've heard that too so her father was a businessman uh was a very wealthy businessman um very involved in politics and as you said she was groomed to be a politician and it kind of this kind of comes forth very quickly into the presidency of Bill Clinton because she is not there to entertain. No, she is actually given a, a position on on his cabinet, more or less. For a healthcare reform, right? And she yep. was also appointed the head of the task for national healthcare reform. She spoke out on women's and child care children issues. Um, a lot of legislation uh, like the Adoption and um, Safe Family Act, I saw. Um, yeah, she was she was a very powerful first lady. I remember again, I was younger this time, but even when Clinton was president, saying, "Oh, Hillary will be president one day." Like, you yeah. even you even heard that back then. I remember hearing it in the nineties. She was also the first president's wife ever elected to U.S. Senate. She became, um, yeah, senator from afterwards. New York. Yeah. And she then she served as Secretary of State for President Barack Obama. I remember, so, she ran a very strong campaign in two thousand eight for um, the Democratic nomination. Yep. And she served as Obama's Secretary of State. And then she became the first female president nominee of a major party in 2016. Yep. So she was very successful um, politician, if you want to look at it that way. And after her is Laura Bush, uh, super shy, by the way, Laura Bush, uh, did not like to really speak in public. She's a um, former elementary school teacher. And her big thing was promoting reading and literacy as well. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, just like her um, mother-in-law. And then you have Michelle Obama, which we kind of touched upon a little bit at the beginning, and uh, very much into, first of all, super educated, very educated. She was a Princeton grad and then Harvard Law School graduate afterwards. Uh, her big thing during the presidency was idea of, as you mentioned, of healthy eating and childhood obesity and trying yeah, to counter that. Let, let's move, right? Let's yep. move. Start childhood okay. obesity. Um, you, I remember she, a big thing with her is she, she was on Sesame Street, right? Telling, yep. teaching Grover about like why he's getting low on energy because he's eating cookies instead of eating like the the vegetables and fruit and stuff like that. Um, 
Oh, I remember school. that. It was like a controversy. Yeah. My students came came to school and were like, "Oh, Cookie Monster is not going to be called Veggie Monster." And I'm that like, wasn't no. true. I remember, I remember. I remember watching that ep- episode actually because my son was of age, and Cookie Monster even says on it, he's like, "I'm still Cookie Monster. I'm, I just eat veggies too." And that was, it was like a song he was singing or something like that. But you had that because actually before that, and I didn't even know this, but I um, researching. Um, you know how like school schools can provide free lunches yep. for, for children. And but it has to be a nutritious lunch. That tomato sauce and ketchup was actually considered a vegetable. Wow! So, so they could serve that because it was considered a vegetable, and it was under her "Let's Move" campaign, the uh, Michelle Obama you know, uh, directives that that kind of shifted and said, "No, no, no, no! Ketchup is no longer cons- is not considered a vegetable. Tomato sauce is not considered like a vegetable if it's on top of pizza. Like no." So they had to like then change a lot of the nutritional. Um, what what would be accepted if they wanted to get the government funding and stuff like that? So that'd be actual vegetables. So you see like the apple slices, right? The the boats full of yeah. carrots and celery that you would yeah. see at like the school cafeteria. Because they're like, no, 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 no. Ketchup is no longer considered a vegetable because that's what it was before that. That is insane. Yeah, they always throw in an apple for me. Uh, yeah. Melania Trump. Melania Trump. This is a lot of people you know don't know much about her because I think because a lot of the scandals and stuff that was going on in the White House, or at least perceived scandals. She was kind of maintaining a low-key profile, but she is the second um, first lady to be born outside of the United States. The yeah. first one was actually John Quincy Adams' yeah. wife. She was born in England. Um, but Melania Trump can speak six languages. Now, she's very smart. Yeah. And she was a very model. Smart. Wasn't she a model? She was a model. Yep. And uh, like you said earlier, like her big thing was the idea of just social media positivity, uh, bullying or rather trying to counter bullying and also reducing opioid uh, opioid abuse. That was another one of those things. But again, I feel like she never really got a lot of her message across because well, that, of, well it was such the political intensity of yeah. the time yeah, and things of that nature. And yeah, and a lot of the press was more focused on what her husband was doing than what she was doing a lot of the time. So, and just kind of real quick, uh, Dr. Jill Biden, you know, uh, yeah, current first lady. Yeah. Right, Long, uh, she's successful career in education. Right, I was going to say that. Yeah, two master's degrees. Advocates for greater support of military families, breast cancer research, amongst other issues. Um, and as you said, she's a, she's a longtime teacher. And she actually con- plans on continuing to um, to teach now, even during the presidency. She teaches at Northern Virginia Community College, and she plans to continue uh, to teach there even during her time as first lady. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's interesting. I don't know how practical that's going to be, um, but like Secret Service. But I guess if this, if the first lady wants to do something, she's going to do it. Yeah. That's basically what that's basically what I found from um, looking over these is that if they want to do something, they're going to do it. Um, so try to stop it. Right. Yeah, that's so funny. So, so I guess that's our podcast on first ladies. We did we we did most of them. We did most first oh, ladies. Just about everybody, or for the most part, some obviously just like the president. Some have more of a lasting impact. Some have more of a legacy than others. And you know, if we, go, I'm sure we, there's things that we missed going through this. But yeah. that's always, you know, we can always do a revisionist, or that always just leaves people the opportunity to go. And you know, if it sparks a little bit of uh, an idea and some a little bit of interest in someone, they decide to go do some research on their own. That's always cool too. Like that's kind of like the point of this too, you know, get people interested yeah. in, in history in, in these individuals. And uh, this is our 30th episode. Wow. Um, and I know, wow, that's what I said. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, if this continues one day, maybe we could do uh, we could do an episode on how a woman became the first president of the United States. 
Yeah. Well, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, it has to. How it wouldn't, yeah. This is it, guys. This is our uh, episode on First Ladies. And uh, we just want to, again, thank everyone for listening. And wherever you do listen to this podcast, do not forget to click subscribe. And besides that, you guys, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on HistoryTeachersTalkingPodcast.com, Twitter. Um, you know, we're on Instagram. You know, wherever you need to find us, we're there. Enjoy, guys. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939, when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era, like Cuba and Vietnam, and I'll unpack the conspiracy theories too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.